still in chapter 40, 52. I thought, you know, we would just do maybe one or two things out of this verse and leave it alone. But I'm seeing more and more as I go in the day. We are entitled sin, sprinkle, sprinkling, and washing. And this is for, like I say, we get into the point in the Word of God in the time we in that people should know their Bible. They should study the Word of God consistently. Search just like you watching television and streaming all these other things. It's to decide what has priority in your life. We can't go back to, to, to the basic of the basic circle in explaining the Word of God. We must go all further. That's why it doesn't things out there. But here's the second chapter in the first verse says, Awake, awake, put on thine strength, O Zion, put on thy beautiful garment, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For henceforth there shall no more come into thee the uncircumcised and the unclean. That's what we're going to concentrate at today. No more shall come into thee the uncircumcised and the unclean. But the eleventh verse says, Depart ye, depart ye, go ye out from thence. Touch no unclean thing. Go ye out of the midst of her. Be ye clean that bear the vessels of the Lord. Here and again, it's talking about cleanliness. Well, no, it's not talking about physical cleanliness. We'll run across some of the things today and Sunday while teaching on this. Preaching, I'll go back and finish what I did last Saturday. I'll finish that Saturday. But we know it's out of physical cleaning, and, and we just said that this was the end time prophecy. So it's saying, Come out of Babylon, touch no unclean thing. So we're looking at spiritual cleanliness, spiritual circumcision. In other words, circumcision of the heart. Unclean things that we're talking about, we'll dig a little bit deeper. The 15th verse says, So shall he sprinkle many nations. The kings shall shut their mouths at him, for that which had not been told them shall they see, and that which they had not heard shall they consider. This has been preached and taught, is what it's saying. They don't know of these. These are new things the Lord says he bringing, or he would do a new thing. He told Isaiah that twice, that he would work a new work. Now, the idea of clean, it says have, he has, has to have clean hands who handle the vessel of the Lord. That the unclean and the uncircumcised shall not come in anymore in court. So, all of this has spiritual implications. And he's not talking about the circumcision in the flesh. I don't think he's talking about that. I think he's talking about being clean by the word of God. That's why I say let's focus a little bit on cleanse here as looking at the unclean, the uncircumcised, and the sprinkling of all nations. First Peter 22, 1 First Peter. First chapter, 22nd to the 25th verse says, Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through
through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God. So these people that he's talking to are born again people. They should know the terminology and the lingo of what he's talking about. The metaphors of whatever he's using here, they should know because these are born again people. That, that's the one he said. Put on thy strength. Who is that strength? Christ is that strength. We should know that this is the physical. This is the entire church. This is the victorious church. He says, you're born again, but of incorruptible seed by the word of God, which liveth and abided forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of the grass. The grass withered, the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. And we see intermingled in that chapter that uh, how beautiful are the feats of those who bring good tidings on the mountain and who are carrying out God's word, preaching and teaching God's word. I think the living version puts a little bit of better tone on it for some. Let's go with the amplified version in that. Uh, since by your own obedience to the truth, you have purified yourselves for a sincere love of the belief. See that purification was through the word of God, through the washing of the word of God. That's how we cleanse with cleanse by the washing by the word of God. So that that's the cleanliness he's talking about because the unclean, those that are disobedient, those that don't know God's word, we're seeing a cleansed church. Because he says the uncircumcised and the unclean will no longer come unto you. So we see that he had done a great work and is doing a good work. He says, see that you have one love one from another, the heart always unselfishly seeking the best for one another. For you have been born again, that he is reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, and set apart for his purpose. Not of seed which perish, which is perishable, but from that which is imperishable and immortal. That is through the living and everlasting word of, word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and it, it all gets glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off, but the word of God endures forever. So you see those that are in the world are those that are not in the word. They'll perish. And remember I was telling you about Christ not himself because of evil doers. But, so we see a dual work going on in the earth in which we should be singing and praising the Lord and glorifying God, putting on festive garment. In other words, we are clothed in his righteousness. He says, and this is the word of God, the good news of salvation, which was preached unto you. Now, the last one I'll read in there is the living version. And I want you to look at the living version and notice the implications for one's mental health in this passage that I'm about to read from the living. Because today's experts emphasize eating organic foods uh, grown without chemicals and pesticides and that the food doesn't have the properly nutritious uh, ingredients in it for the proper 
long they have to take so many additives and some supplements. And I've seen somewhere on the way up here sometime during the day on my news feed where they have, they, they have gotten approval. I don't know if it was here and uh, in the United Kingdom to use lab-grown chicken. Lab-grown chicken. And so we're seeing uh, evolution away from what God had provided for man, the substance that man, man now is supplying for himself. Modern health practitioners also emphasize cleansing the body internally through certain regimens, whether it's fasting or drinking certain diets or whatever to purge and cleanse the body. Peter is saying a similar thing here in a spiritual, in a moral, in an ethical context. In other words, God's word placed in the body assimilated. When we assimilate God's word, we use it in everyday life. God's word can purify the mind. That's what really purifies the mind. It frees it from the corruption of our pre-conversion experiences of being shaped in iniquity formed in sin of the things of this world and the ways of this world, the things of this world. That's why we have to come out from among us. Well, if we consistently have a diet of daily bread, our daily word of God, eat it and use it if we would use food for our own body. Here's the living version, I agree. Now you can have real love for everyone because your souls have been cleansed from selfishness and hatred when you trusted Christ to save you. So see to it that you really do love each other warmly with all your heart. For you have a little, a new life. It was not passed on to you from your parents, for the life they gave you will fade away. That flower that faded, that dieth, and the grass withered. That's the natural man, the natural life. But we're talking about being born again in a regeneration by the word of God. This new one will last forever. It comes from Christ, God's ever-living message to men. Yes, our natural lives will fade, but the word of God lives and endures forever. So we know he wasn't just talking to the Gentiles also. We know it wasn't just, to, I mean, it wasn't just to Israel. This, like I said, this is a latter-day sermon. This is a end-day message for the church. We looked at that verse where it said that he was sprinkled many nations and Abraham was the father of many nations, we know. Uh, so we have the cleansing of the Gentiles. If we read Leviticus 13, chapter 47 through the 59th verse about leprosy and leprous garments, we'll see that they would, some of them could be cleansed some garments that had leprosy or whatever, they could be cleansed. So if we go to the New Testament, when Peter is having his vision upon, upon the rooftop, and then he sent the Cornelius type, Peter's vision of the all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air, starting in chapter 10, think about the 12th verse speaks to this point. God made it clear that he was capable of cleansing the Gentiles, but never, never said
said he had cleansed all of them. So he said, what God had cleansed, let no man call unclean. So this was the Gentiles that he had cleansed. It left the metaphor, it left the symbolism of food. And that's what I said. He wasn't talking about clean and unclean food to what we eat. Because we know food can commend us to God. We had the Old Testament examples of ceremonially being unclean and ceremonial foods and all types of rituals. But all those was a shadow of things to come. Notice Peter's admonition said, what God has cleansed, like no man called common. So the Gentiles was no longer common, uh, called, uh, 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 wasn't God's people, in other words. Peter got the picture. He got the picture. And Peter said to the Roman centurion, he said, in a truth, I perceive that God showed no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works for righteousness is accepted by him. So that's in whatever nation, wherever it be. While God called from every nation, only some, those who fear and obey him, are going to be accepted by him. Wherever you may be. Those that worship him in spirit and in truth. So we're looking at a worldwide call, but we're looking at a all of all men. In verse 36, Peter interjects a vital idea that Christ is Lord of all. Christ is Lord of all. And the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles. We had seen this on another occasion where the Spirit was poured out on the Gentiles. And you remember when he went to Antioch, and that's where they called the Christians, start calling them Christians. But Peter, as an apostle, witnessed this. The apostles and brethren who were in Judea, Acts 11, chapter 3, verse, came to understand that God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance unto life. Verse 18. He had granted this to Gentiles. So we see here that the clean and unclean must refers to spiritual and not to a physical circumcision. Book of Acts, the 15th chapter, here's a lot of reading here when Stephen was called before the council and he said, after they held their peace, uh, James saying, men and brother, and this is the, the, that conference, you remember that conference that was held in Jerusalem. I cut the part out by Stephen when he, but each and every one of us should know our history, should know the Christian history and about the Christian faith. That's why the Old Testament is so important. So each and every one of us should study to show ourselves the truth. Because if the word of God remaineth forever, shouldn't that be what we should learn and know? Because all of this in the world is passing away. None of this is a matter at all. Nothing material is the thing that's going to matter. So everything is going to be spiritual. Uh, Acts 15, chapter 13 to the 19th verse. And after they had held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me, Simeon, that is Peter, 
had declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agreed the words of the prophets as it is written. And he quoted the Old Testament scripture. He says, after this I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David which is fallen down. And I will build again the ruins thereof and I will set it up that the residue of men seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, says the Lord, who doeth all these things, known unto God are all these works from the beginning of the world, wherefore my sinners is, that we trouble not them which from among the Gentiles are turned to God. So that's why I say, I think we will see a mass interest into the church of people whether they be heathens or whatever they be, not necessarily the soul of a Christian persuasion, but those who have righteousness or the circumcision within their heart, that God calls in one of these days, I think this church will be built up. I think the people will flow in. I think things will be, but we have to have it established on the word of God. We're not sitting here going through all of this for nothing. We read chapter 43 or whatever chapter was that our labor is not in vain. We're headed somewhere and there is a profit to what we're doing. There's a reward and we will be rewarded according to our work. Because God's covenant, His grace and His laws is effectively at work. We walk by faith and not by sight. First John, the first chapter, the seventh verse is, But if we are living in the light of God's presence, just as Christ does, then we have wonderful fellowship and joy with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from every sin. The blood of Jesus. Now, here, I'm not talking about water sprinkling and washing of water, how does blood cleanse? See, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So it's something supernatural about this blood we're talking about. We have to be under his blood. We're covered. That blood made a atonement for us. And without that blood, and the blood of bulls and goats couldn't take away sin. Thus, that's why we in a new covenant. There's a new covenant relationship here. Let's read that in the Amplified Version here. It says, But if we walk in the light that is lived each and every day in conformity with the precepts of God, those precepts, the basic meaning of what we're doing and why we're here. As he himself is in the light, we have true unbroken fellowship with one another, and he with us, and we with him. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin by erasing the stain of sin, by keeping us cleansed from sin in all of its forms and manifestations if we are under the blood. That blood has to be applied to our life. That's where baptism comes in. We are baptized into the Lord. There's one faith one Lord in one baptism. Now that baptism has nothing to do with water baptism. 
back to baptize is to stay with the dye or immerse into something. Now the water baptism, that's symbolic of, of burial in Christ, of death to self, because we rise up to walk in the newness of life, the resurrection. So if we're buried with Christ, that's what that is. The water baptism. That's what that's symbolic of. But that's how it would work. The light is the truth. The light is what the truth. Remember we talked about that light and we'll continue with that light. God's word is truth according to John 17 and 17 and it's the way and it's the truth and it is the light and Jesus was that word made flesh and we dwell in him and his word must abide in us and we in the word. So there's a unity that the world or nothing else can disturb. We have to walk in the light as he's in the light. The same life he lived, we must live. We must present our bodies as living sacrifices. He lives in us and we in him. It's no longer our life. We are in full union with him. We're in union with him. Now John is telling us here, we become clean, we become clean as we apply God's word. God's word, as even though our sins be as scarlet, his blood purifies us. His blood, that stain of that blood, it washes us. We're going to have the fine linen of the saints, the white garment, without a spot of blemish. Without spot of flinch. It's for purifying us cleaner than any fuller soap or anything that can purify us if we apply the blood. That's why we drink of the blood. And he said, unless you drink of my blood and eat of my body, we have no life. It gets in us and begins to clarify and purify our things. That's the assimilation of his word. Our thoughts begin to be like his thoughts and ways like his ways. We are assimilating Christ. We're dying to self. The old way of thinking, the old way of doing. But it does not become a real cleansing until it begins to be used. One of James says you have to be a do of God's word and not just a hear. It's a plenty of people in the church. It's a plenty of people in the world know what God's word says but they're not doers of God's word. It begins to clean us up about all our bad habits and our thinking process. That word, once that word is in us, we're walking by faith that the regeneration that begins. We're being made anew. There's a process that's beginning in us. We can't see it. It's just like fruit growing on a tree. And I've had plum trees. I've had big trees, that summer tree, orange trees. I was raised with gardening, you know, greens, all kinds of beans and things. But you can't see how it grows. You know where someday you go there, that corn is in the air and getting bigger and bigger. It is ripening right in the air, but we can't see it. That plum, he say it may be getting darker and turning colors or whatever, but it has to remind, 
remains attached to the body. Something out of those oranges and say someone go from green and start to turn orange. Start to color to things. See, but the work is being done, but it's coming up to the roots. It's coming up to the stem system. And that's the way God's Word does. It works in us and we know not what the Spirit is doing or how it's doing. It says the wind bloweth where it listens and so is the Spirit worketh the way it wants to work. If we keep doing the same things all the time, nothing changes. That's why God grants us repentance, the Gentiles. He grants everyone according to the life of faith. He grants us repentance. He grants us the ability to change, but prayer is an effective part of that. Talking and communing with God, in other words, fellowship with God. We have to have that relationship with God. So, what's cleaning us? All of this process of cleaning is taking place. All of this combination and not just one thing. We can't just come and get it one afternoon and we're good to go. And we don't come back to church for years or months or weeks or whatever. So it's for Satan not to assemble together instead. We are resisting and walking with no living. So if we're not living in the Word, if we're not rising up each morning and asking Him to guide us and lead us through the day, if we're not asking to be led by the Spirit of God, if we're not asking to be led in the all truth, we're not asking Him to shape and form our day and to carry it. I would think that would breathe the spirit because we're hindering it, him, the spirit, from doing his job. We're quenching the spirit. We're quenching the spirit. And I think that would breathe the spirit by not allowing it to do the work it was sent to do. If we live as he lived, then we become cleansed. So we must go, he went around doing good. So, Doing good and not being weary of well-doing has to be part of the process. Not being weary of well-doing. Now also by not being weary of well-doing, we have to learn what to sow. Are we going around being kind, gentle? The, the, The character in our conduct, because we know according to his word, what a man soweth, that he shall reap. So we will have to stop sowing to the flesh as we used to do. Sowing, looking out for ourselves. Now we must sow looking out for others. We have to sow now looking out for others. This is what holiness is. If we do that, then we will produce fruit. And then it's impossible not to because it's just like gravity. You will fall to the ground if jump off of a building. Well, if you follow and pursue holiness, your life is to produce fruit. It's to be a success. God's to work in your life. Now, so you're sprinkling that sprinkling of nations. We see the sprinkling of blood in the book of Leviticus, 14th chapter, the Sabbath verse, and the 51st verse. The book of Hebrews, the 9th chapter, and the 13th verse. 1 Peter 1 and 2. 
Hebrews 9 and 13 says, For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offer himself up without spite to God, purge our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Now they sprinkle in the tabernacle of, with the blood of bulls and goats, and that's why I say baptism was an immersion. They took a, a hyssop vine, uh, a bush, and they sprinkled the altar, and they sprinkled all of these different things with the blood of that bull and goat. They dipped it in the basin and sprinkled But now we'll sprinkle, they say, I'll sprinkle clean water, I'll sprinkle you. Not the literal blood of Christ, but we know since the Word is Christ, that the Word was God. If we're sprinkled, we're washed by the Word. We're looking at that. What we're looking at? That blood applied to our lives, that blood here and there, a line upon line, here a little, there a little. Precept upon precept. You remember I told you about the precept. And he commanded, he said, look, if you follow all my statutes and commandments and judgments, you shall live. And I won't put any of these things upon you. I put in the judgment. It starts to reverse the curse. We see healing and marrow coming up on the bones. It's like the dry bones in the book of Ezekiel that the bones started to come together and our lives are starting to come together. But then the spirit comes and the wind blows upon our lives and it gives us life. It gives us eternal life. We have life in Christ. First Peter, I'll tell you one of them was also in First Peter. First Peter, the first chapter, the second verse said, According to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be, to be obedient to Jesus Christ. Christ and to be sprinkled with his blood, may grace and peace, that special sense of well, the spiritual sense of well-being, be yours in increasing abundance as you walk closely with God. So we see here that he says in the book of John, the 17th chapter, to sanctify them by your word. I left them in the world, but sanctify them. Set them apart. Cleanse them, get them ready in this way. There's a sanctifying work going on in our life. And again, we'll give the living verse, living Bible a chance on that. The living says, Dear friend, God the Father chose you long ago and knew you would become his children. He knew that from the foundations of the world. He had chosen us to be holy. He had purposed us. Once we start being aware of this, it comes in one of the verses that I don't have here right now. When they will know, when when you get to that point, it's a moment of what they call it, a moment of reckoning. When you come to consciousness, you remember I told you when you awaken. That's why it says awake, awake. When he brings you to consciousness, he brings you to the knowledge that God is your Father. You're a child of God. Once you know who God is, 
once you know God is, it says, and the Holy Spirit has been at work in your heart, cleansing you with the blood of Jesus Christ and making you to please Him. May God bless you and richly grant you increasing freedom from all anxiety and fear. Remember that anointing breaks the yoke. It loosens the bond. It gives you freedom. There's liberty in Christ Jesus. We start to enjoy the liberty in Christ Jesus. But we also had the sprinkling of water. Not just of blood. We had the sprinkling of water. Numbers 8 chapter 7 verse says, and thus shalt thou do unto them, to cleanse them, sprinkle water purifying upon them, and let them shave all their flesh, and let them wash their clothes, and so as make them clean. That's another ritual of cleansing. Now we know just sprinkling water up on somebody outwardly, that has no internal effect. It's hot out there, man. It was 100 and some. The heat in that the other day was 100. One day it's 113 or whatever. Sweating going on. We go home, we take a nice cold shower. Man, you know, and then you get some safe out of something, lather up and all that soap and that water, using iron spring or whatever, the water and everything. You externally clean. You can speak good then. But it's like baptism. And I told you, water baptism was an outward sign. There has to be something going on in internally to actually cleanse you. That's why it was impossible for the blood of bulls or goats to take away sin. The conscience, that's why the priest, the priest had to do it year after year. But once Christ did this and offered up his blood, he did it once for all. One time, and he went into all the holy and offered up that blood, that shed blood that he had got from the heart of the earth. Remember, he told Mary, he said, he says, don't hold to me, don't cling to me. I have not yet ascended to my Father. Yeah. He went and presented that in heaven. Now, Ezekiel also talked about the priest in the 36th chapter of Ezekiel. He says, the 25th verse, then I will sprinkle clean water upon you. And you shall be clean. You shall be cleansed from all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. So we see here again cleansing associated with being clean. But the clean that you would be from, you would be free from idols, idolatry, all of these other things. So it has to have a spiritual effect. It's just like spirit water, but the sprinkling of Water is the word of God. The word of God is pure. The word of God is the most pure thing you can get. The character of God, who God is. In the book of Hebrews, the ninth chapter, 19 to 27 verse, we find. For when Moses had spoken every precept, that's what that word precept again. When Moses had spoken every precept, to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people saying, this is the blood of the testament which God had enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled blood both 
the tabernacle, and all the vessels of the ministry, and, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. So we see here in that offering, as in Abel's offering, that it was an offering that had blood in it. So there's a remission or removal of sin. But we know in Moses' case, this was did all the time. And this sprinkling of that tabernacle of the books and things with blood, especially the blood of bulls and goats, wasn't that symbolic of what Christ's word? In other words, that's why we have to eat the whole world. We have to eat. Man shall live by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. We have to be a doer of it. We have to assimilate all of his words. If, if you come unto him and drink, he says, out of our bedders will flow rivers of living water. Well, that's the preaching and the teaching of the gospel to others that the good news that we carry forth in that book of the 52nd chapter where it says we carry the good news, the good tidings to others. How beautiful are the feet of those that brighten that gospel, that good news. Here in again. Hebrews, the 10th chapter, 22nd verse. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Here and again, he's not talking about going to the brazen altar, that bronze altar, altar anywhere or whatever, wash. He says, pure water. And he says, an evil conscience, and we know, you remember I told you about the conscience, the word of God, it's like organic, eating organic food, it supplies the minerals and everything we need. Well, God's word supplies everything we need. He told Timothy that those scriptures are able to make one wise unto salvation. In the scriptures, we do have eternal life. This study to show ourselves approved. So within that word of God comes wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Hiding that law within our hearts. Hiding his law in our hearts. Now we go back to Genesis the 17th chapter. Cooling off of this just now. Genesis the 17th chapter, the 10th verse is the ordinance of circumcision was a Outward physical sign of one's willingness to obey God and be one of his chosen people. So during those days, that's why they were circumcised when they were proselytizing a person. A person coming into the Jewish faith would do outward circumcision. But we know that was symbolic and circumcision had a, a symbolic effect to it. And other people practice circumcision, other groups, some other groups practice circumcision. So we're looking at the terminology of what circumcision means here. So we would have to come back to the New Testament to find out when it says the uncircumcised of the unclean wouldn't come in. Go back to the 52nd chapter and the first verse it says, Awake, awake. 
have beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. But henceforth there shall no more come into thee the uncircumcised and the unclean. So now we see in what the unclean is. Kind of let look deeper, find out about this uncircumcised. Romans the second chapter, the twenty-sixth verse. We'll read it in three, two different versions here. Therefore, if the uncircumcision keep the righteousness of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted plus circumcision? That's a question Paul asked to the Romans. If the uncircumcision keeps the righteousness of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? Because you remember the, the Gentiles had more faith than the Israelites. Jesus had to see no greater faith in all of Israel than in that Roman centurion. Uh, they amplified version. Let's follow this a little bit. Let's follow this rabbit trail just a little bit further than another verse. It says, So if the uncircumcised man teach the requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded by God as circumcision? If he's keeping the law, we know Cornelius offered up arms and he was a righteous and a good man. But we know it was that this thing was weak to the flesh and that we couldn't keep the law. But this is a question Paul is posing that if the heathen, the uncircumcised man, the non-Christian man, keep the requirements of the law. You remember the rich young ruler came to him and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He says, you've heard of the commandments. He says, well, I've kept all of these from since my youth. Okay, the living virgin. Here's, here's what the living virgin says. People love to call people heathen and pagan. This is how the living virgin reads. He says, and if the heathen obey God's law, won't God give them all the rights and honors and plans to give the Jews? See, that's the problem we have running into this country. I see more people that are outside the church of more people that have heard of God keep God's laws in, in their lives and in their actions better than Christians do. Especially during these last political series and this last 10 years. It's causing questions about Christianity. This verse begins to clarify what makes a person circumcised or uncircumcised. So we go on it's obedience. He told Saul, obedience is it's better to obey than sacrifice. Remember when Paul said, though I give my body to be burned and do all this, if I have not love, if I have not charity, I don't have anything. So out of an unfeigned heart, we must love one another. We must practice and have God above all have no other God before him. We should love one another. We should do all of these things. That he is right. But listen, listen at what Paul says after he poses this question about the heathen, about the uncircumcised. Verse 27 through 29. 
He says, in fact, he wants to, in fact, okay, he says, in fact, those heathens will be much better off than you Jews who know so much about God and have his promises but don't obey his law. For you are not real Jews just because you were born to Jewish parents or because you have gone through the Jewish initiation ceremony of circumcision. No, a real Jew is anyone whose heart is right with God. For God is not looking for those who cut their bodies in actual body circumcision, but he is looking for those with changed hearts and minds. Whoever has that kind of change in his life will get his praise from God, even if it's not from you. So Paul is saying that this is a circumcision of the heart. Remember that new covenant I told you in the book of Jeremiah, the 32nd chapter through the 34th. That's the new covenant where it's a circumcision of the heart where he writes those laws upon our hearts and we keep those laws by grace through faith. Paul is carrying the pattern that God established through Israel to a clearly higher level than anyone had before, or that it was marked off as the Old Testament. The real Jew, the Israelite, is what one is inwardly. You remember I told you outside that Washington and how you were born, and he called them children of their father, the devil? It has to be inward. You could be baptized in Jesus' name. You could be baptized in the name of the Father, you could be baptized and baptized. But a blessing's an inward staining, a covering with the blood of Jesus Christ. Unless his word is effectually working inside, then it reflects outward the light of God. It reflects the glory of God. The real Jew, what is he talking about here? Spirit of conversion. You remember I told you. We had the wrong circumcision and clean, and we're talking about food and everything. It must be a spirit of conversion when we're talking here. Coming out of Babylon wasn't geographical, but it was spiritual. Now, all of this kind of ties in neatly with Galatians. That same apostle wrote Galatians. The book of Galatians, the third chapter, 26 through 29 verses. For now we are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And we who have been baptized into union with Christ are enveloped by him. We're in him. We're baptized into him. Because remember, I told you the baptism was identifying with his death. We're buried with him. So if we resurrect with him, we rise up to walk in the newness of life. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. We are no longer Jews, Greeks, slaves, free, men, or merely even men or women. There's none of these in Christ Jesus. But we are all the same. We're all Christians. So it ain't about what section. It ain't about what next. Because he was saying, didn't he say, I'll sprinkle all nations. So shall he sprinkle many nations? Was Abraham the father of all nations, of many nations? He'd make him the father of many nations. So it's not about nationality. 
That's why when you come across American Christianity and nationalism and all that, they're way off the mark. They're not even shooting from the hip there. No truth in that. Let's go on to circumcision here. Oh, let me finish reading this verse. It says, we are no longer Jews. We are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that we are Christ, we are the true descendants of Abraham and all of God's promises to him belong to us. Anything belongs to Abraham belongs to us. God is our Father. We cry, Abba, Father. Now we pray unto him. That's why Jesus said, pray our Father. You know, uh, they had, I tell you about this there, they also said the rest of here. On Jeopardy the other week, there was in the $200 category, that's the lowest category in Jeopardy. The, the lowest amount that they go for. It stumped all three contestants. They actually finished their phrase. And it was an owl father, part of the owl father phrase. It says, Our Father, blank be thy name. What goes in the blank? None of them go say hollower. Do you pray to our father? That's why I say that prayer wasn't ever is for his children. None of the three contestants could answer that. Hollywood be thy name. Hollywood be thy name. Okay. Uncircumcised here. You remember I said, let's look in there with what uncircumcised is here. Jeremiah 6, Jeremiah 6 and 10 says, To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ears uncircumcised and cannot hearken. Behold, the word of the Lord is unto them a reproach. They have no delight in it, and God's word offended them and caused them to stumble. That's why in the New Testament, when you hear the different times when you say, that he that has ears to hear. I hear a lot of preachers that well, everybody got ears, but everybody don't have spiritual ears. He that has ears to hear. You can think of what, but he that has an ear to hear. You see, that's the problem. They cannot hear God's word. The average person has what you have to be is born again. Hearing comes by the word of God. But you have to listen to it, and faith comes by hearing of the word of God. We have to hear the word preached. Before that operation, before we can beginning fear and knowledge and understanding, we have to hear the effectual call of God. That's why we can't just go to God. God, God has to call us. No one can just go to God. God calls us. There's a sexual call. They were no longer eager. Some people don't want to live by what God said. They self is still on the throne. They reject God's word. Because of this, they had uncircumcised deeds. That's an unusual metaphor. Could some of us have uncircumcised deeds? No one has ever cut a bit off, bit of skin out of our ears, but God says that ears can be uncircumcised. And that is what he told Isaiah. They shall hear, but not hear, because their ears 
hadn't had a work on, done on them, a supernatural work to place them in a position. So it says the uncircumcised can't go there. Remember they said that they loved to hear the preaching of Ezekiel? He was a good orator, just like Apollos was a good orator. And he sounded good as the one that sings a, speaks in a melodious tone. But they said it wasn't the beast do the word because they wasn't going home to their heart. It had no effect on them. The book of Acts, I'll go back to Stephen again. I'll start closing off with Stephen here on these uncircumcised ears. The book of Acts, the seventh chapter, the 51st to the 53rd verse is, You stiff-necked and stubborn people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you are always actively resisting the Holy Spirit. You are doing just as your fathers did. Which one of the fathers, which one of those your fathers did not persecute? Which one of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? They killed those who proclaimed beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whose betrayers and murderers you have now become. You who received the law as ordained and delivered to you by angels, and yet you did not obey it. An uncircumcised heart is one that is closed and impervious to God's spiritual affection. Those are people with hearts that are in the parable of the sword. When the sword sows the word and it falls on stony ground, it falls upon by the wayside. These words can't get into our heart. They can't have an effect on us because we hadn't dug up our fallow ground. Remember I told you if it rains, being from the farm and gardening up, if someone works in the yard or whatever, you know you have to hoe and till the soil and break it all up and have it crumbling. And if it rains, then the ground can absorb the water. But if, if not, the water, the surface of the ground tends to be hard like clay and it runs off. You have a great deal of runoff. That's why if you listen at the weatherman and he talks about flash flooding and everything. What's dangerous about flash flooding, especially, especially after a drought is that the ground is so hard that the rain comes so fast and hard that runoff. The water run off and don't sink into the ground. There's much more flooding in a disastrous flood if it's been raining for several days or something and the ground is saturated. It's wet. Now the water has nowhere to go and it doesn't run off as fast because nothing is sucking it up. The, the ground is able to, that water has nowhere. And that's the same thing with our heart. If we're not making use of the word of God, our conscience becomes seared. God's word has no home within us. It has no place in us. It's like the person that cleanses the, cleanses his home of all of the evil spirits and didn't put anything back in. And when those evil spirits came back, they brought in worse spirits than they were because there wasn't anything in that resisted. It wasn't anything in place. It resists 
is what's why Stephen call them stiff-necked. If your children are stubborn, anybody that's stubborn and stiff-necked is a person that is unyielding. His head is set, his jaw is out thrust, his ears are closed, and his teeth clenched. You can be telling the truth, but they don't want to hear it. Their mind is made up. That's the problem with a lot of religious people because they don't allow themselves to hear. And so a false teacher sometimes fills you with false teaching. And that's what's so dangerous is that now that's become part of your belief system, the way is you resist the truth and it you can't be free because now you actually believe and you love a lie, you love this disingenuous lie, and that's how the false prophets have propagated the word of God of the gospel. They preach the word of God, but they preach a different Jesus. They twist the word of God. Uncircumcised ears are those that hear the word of God imperfectly, usually because they hear only what they want to hear, or they hear with such a strong prejudice that they reject the truth out of me. That's why a lot of people, they say they have itching ears. You go around until you hear from a person that tells you what you want. If God says something, it is likely that men will reject it. But if another man can say that, then you'll follow that man. That's why it says many false Christ shall arise because people find it easier to follow me. And that's why Christianity is a multi-billion dollar industry because people love seven easy steps to pray. They love all of these books that men write. But here's a Bible that God has written. Who can write a better understanding thing than the Bible? But he sent preachers to open up your heart. But what it is, that preacher is just appealing to something God had placed in your heart and awakened your consciousness so that his words wouldn't fall on deaf ears. He gives you the ears to hear. He has to give you an ear to hear. Uh, this shows how physically oriented we are. If we know something is coming from God, human nature always gets its God up. Guard, G-U-A-R-D. It is already beginning to say no because you uncircumcised the heart to live. And I don't want to go into the uncircumcised mystery at half time. No, I said I wasn't. But we end there and start with that subject.